0: Okay, let's open our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 10. That's where we're beginning from today. The book of Luke chapter 10. Alright, let's start from verse 1. He said, Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. Verse 2. And he was saying to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And, um, those are the two verses that are important for what I want to say, explain today in line of, with our uh, teaching, which we have been going on for some time, that is the true service of God. And that's what I want to continue looking at today. And I want to bring out a particular interesting perspective today. Now look at that verse 2. He says that the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. If you look at the previous verse, what he said is that, or was that, um, the Bible tells us that he appointed 70 others and sent sent them two by two ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. Now, we have some historical facts stated here. That is, this was the way the Lord used to plan things. Unconsciously, many of us think that Jesus didn't have plans. He just woke up in the morning. The the, the wind blew it where it listed. Everywhere the listing goes, Jesus would just follow. It wasn't like that. Let me just take a minute and debunk some of those unconscious things that come into our minds. Or that are inside our hearts. Of the way Jesus used to operate Many of us thought that he didn't need boats, he walked on water when he wanted to go to places. No, he hardly walked on water. The record of the scriptures shows that he did that only like two times. Okay? Every time he needed to travel, he got a boat. He needed a boat. That was just his life. Many people think that he just used to multiply food. That is not true. Go and read the book of Luke, chapter four, and uh, the book of John, chapter four. When he got to that well in Samaria. He sat down while the people went out to go and buy food. He didn't just say, bring something, let's multiply. You must understand that God's way is not just, just wake up every day, just be walking miracles. He, do, he did those things when it was necessary. There was a day he needed money. He told Peter, because we need money now, go and fish. And in the mouth of the fish, you will get a coin. And that will be enough to solve our issues. Unconsciously, that provokes us to think that's our money used to come to him supernaturally. But it's not true. That was unusual. What used to happen was that they used to receive offerings from special people. He did not go to crusade grounds to collect offerings. He had partners in his ministry. And the Bible gave us a list of some of them. All right, Luke wrote the list of their names down. And they contributed, the Bible says, regularly to support the ministry that the Lord Jesus operated Don't don't think that everything, you know, just walking anyhow, all right? Now, he used to walk miracles, something that Jesus was very approachable, anybody could approach him every time. It's not true. That's why, if he was like that, why would a man go and climb a tree, an important man? (laughs) Are you getting my point? It was so difficult for him to get to Jesus. It was so hard for a number of reasons. One, the crowd was plenty. Two, when the crowd is few, Peter won't let you pass. How do I know that? The Bible says at a point in time, he had to specifically instruct Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and all of that. Let the little ones come to me. There was a time, um, what is the name of Zacchaeus, wanted to come. Peter did not agree, and Jesus did not say anything. (laughs) He wanted to come. John said, sorry, the master is sleeping. The man said, what will I do? What will I do? This is where they are passing. He ran ahead and climbed the tree. Then Jesus came to him. You know, sometimes, the preachers, they don't, I know one man of God, He said that, look, anybody can call him anytime. I said, you're on your own. Nobody can call me anytime. Listen, you know, when you want to live long, there are things you, you don't do. That man said that, anytime, for anyone in the world, you, his phone number is on his website. I said, Father, heaven, have, Jesus, don't worry, Jesus didn't do like that. To talk to Jesus, you talk to Peter. Not because of pride, it's just the fact that, otherwise, he wouldn't have lived long enough to go to the cross. But now you're still being your sins. Many of you be slaves in America. <laughs> Are you getting my point? But he had to arrange things. What I want to say is that life has order. And Jesus used to follow order in the things that he did. That's just an aside. Let's get that clear. Now, what's our teaching for today? So, his ministry had plans. He would say that, okay, tomorrow, um, next week I should be able to get to Oka to do a crusade there. That's what used to happen. And then he would take two people and say, two of you go to Oka ahead and prepare the ground. He knew he was coming to Oka. The Bible says that he appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. Pairs, 70. He had a lot of places to go. <sighs> Minimum, 35 places. Are you getting my point? Yes, and don't forget, it's not only 70, he said 70 others. There were some before the 70, 12. They were with him. Now, I'm not going to bring out an issue here. So the Lord had plans, and the way he used to do it was to send people ahead of him. If he wants to go to Makodi to... Affect the place. He will pick some of his people and say, Go there ahead of me, I am coming. If he wants to affect Otupo, he will say, Go there ahead of me, I'm coming. If he wants to affect Abakileke, he will say, Go there ahead of me, I'm coming. If he wants to listen to this, he wants to affect the movie industry, he will say, Go there ahead of me, I'm coming. If he wants to affect the government, he says, Go there ahead of me, I am coming. If he wants to affect, um, let's say, um, uh, business, he will say, Go there ahead of him, me, me, I'm coming. If he wants to restructure the custom s- services in Nigeria, he says to some of the people, Go there ahead. Of me, I am coming. That's the structure. That is his order. So when you start praying, and look at something he said here. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers into the harvest. He just sent people. So what the Lord saying, why can't I do the things I want to do? I don't have enough people to send ahead. Many of those who I sent ahead, they didn't like the place. Demas has departed from me. Having fallen in love with this present world. So, well, I wanted to come to a particular village in Anambra State. So, I told Demas and Tychicus to wait for me there. They stood there for about six months. Demas got tired of the fact that there's no, this place is not comfortable. They don't have constant power supply. So, Demas left. Therefore, I told Tychicus, come back. I can't come to that place. Are you getting my point? Yes, sir. Listen, this is the way God did this earth. The Bible says clearly, they tempted God in the wilderness and limited the Holy One of Israel. Many things he wants to do, he sends people ahead. But then they look at it, I don't like this, so they leave. So he strikes that place off the agenda until he gets another two to send. Why is there no revival on the earth? (laughs) He said, listen, this is how it is. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send people into all the places that he wants to come. This is his structure. That is the way it is. Let me say something about God. I, I said this earlier. The Lord plans. What I just want to say is that he's a master planner. And this is the truth. He doesn't always let us know everything in details. Occasionally, he will call a few people and they will enter into a prophetic office. And he will say to them, this is the general picture of what I want to do. Go and declare it to my people. Now, recently the bishop was for, uh, so there's this uh, thing about uh, Elton the history of his coming to Nigeria. And I saw some of the history that he was forwarding and I read a few in uh, some of them. If I want, when the thing is complete, I want to read it together. This piecemeal thing is not working. But let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you the truth. I heard about the man long ago. Of course, you read the story. He was a British man who the Lord sent into Nigeria. And he lived and died in Nigeria. He at first arrived and went to, is it Elisha? Or is it Oshubo? So... He was sent by God into Nigeria. Why? Because the Bible says that God reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. So he saw ahead. About, in fact, recently I had an idea to write. I believe that the things he saw, they've been fulfilled. At least much I know about them, to a very large extent. Most of it has been fulfilled. All right. And, um, but I think, which is often what happens, people often mismanage the, the thing that God is doing. I think right now, many of the things he said, I believe they have been fulfilled. And sometimes people mismanage what God is doing. Now, the influence that the church has in Nigeria today, he prophesied it long ago. I believe me, the church is very, very influential. You may not realize it, but the church is very, very influential. The way you just stand up and preach in most parts of Nigeria, the influence the church has in government the way preachers will speak, I told you then, well, I've told the story here again and again. When Nigeria wanted to join OIC, God sent a prophet, alright, to, um, first it was, um, the, our current head of state, Idiag Banco, then Buhari, uh, then uh, Babangida, and the man will address the, um, uh, then it was called Supreme, Supreme Military Council, and he will tell them the word of God. And I still remember listening to that man's testimony. That lasted. The tape was ninety minutes, and the tape finished. He had to stop the interpreter, because he was testifying at the Gospel Faith Mission Convention somewhere in Ibadan. All right. So they were translating into Yoruba because of the environment. At the point in time, he told the interpreter he had to stop, because he didn't have the time, because this was so long. Okay, this was so long. So at you know, and he would give you step by step what God was doing, and he said he was giving that testimony then for Christians to understand that God is not sleeping and that what is going on in Nigeria, God is attending to it. And I remember then he talked about MK Abiola as one attending one of the meetings. That's how Christians did not forgive him for that thing that he did, and that's why he never made it to be president, because the Christians said no you. Because it was such it was so much. One of the things he said is that. Uh, uh, that um Nigeria, uh, that Nigeria we have public holidays on Saturday and Sunday, weekly holidays. You understand? Our weekly holidays is Saturday and Sunday. And that the Muslims don't have that. So the Christians have always been having their way. So MK was so adamant that Nigeria had to join OIC. And that man looked at him. And I think he warned him. If I told him at the point in time he wanted to pray, he said, everybody rise to your feet. All the military generals, head of state, they stood up. He said, everybody remove your cap. I want to pray. He said MKO refused to remove his cap. He said I looked at the man. He said no problem. He, re- he said I raised my voice. The window opened. Breeze came in and removed the cap. <coughs> window opened. Breeze rushed in. Took the cap off his head. <laughs> Look what I heard is this. I think around nineteen eighties, no mid eighties when that OIC thing was hot. Now, to let you know that, listen, God is in Nigeria, amen? amen. Now, I'm making a point here, alright? So, this man prophesied long ago, alright, by Elton. He said some of many of these things. Many of them we are experiencing today. The influence that the church has in Nigeria is very, very powerful. Currently, the best universities in Nigeria are being built by churches. And that's influence. But this man prophesied it long ago, by Elton. He said, I, my pastor then, when I was doing my house job, he, he, he gave us some of these stories. Now, That's prophecies that the man gave. I I just I grow older now and realize that many of those things have come to pass. But this one I'm talking about, for God to do that, you know what He did? He sent the man. The man left his house, his comfort. All right, in England, and he came to Nigeria to settle down. And all these great men that have been in the forefront of the, especially Pentecostal movement in Nigeria, there's none of them that He did not touch. Is it E.I. Deboe? Is it David Oyedepo? Is it uh, W.F. Kumi? There was none, one, not one of them that he did not affect. And, you know, th- 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 last year, I went to preach somewhere uh, that's in Kaduna, and I met uh, was it last year or the year before? All right, And one elderly man was there went to visit him, the father of our host. So, he was telling us stories and told us about um, um, of course, Pai Elton, and statements he made about certain prominent Nigerian ministers. Don't follow human beings, follow God. There's a particular man he mentioned. a prominent man. He said the day the man started that line of ministry, he said that, that, oh, the, the, the white man said, this man has just left the reason why God called him. Listen, we all have a duty. Let's understand something that God knows what he's doing. He plans things, and he says to everybody, stay where I have kept you. If you live where I keep you, I can't do what I want to do. For the the the, the move of God you saw in this country that we are still experiencing. Listen, don't let's not let's not make take. There are a lot of bad things going on, but let me tell you the truth. Don't even don't get so used to don't realize that God has done something great. When I wanted to start broadcasting, um, Makodi. When I wanted a radio station. When they gave us a rate for thirty minutes, remember that day you were there, Israel. Okay, we were there that day. We couldn't price it. Normally, you, they was okay. Pay this amount. We said okay, all right. Ah, that's too much. Now. In fact, him he, he does most of the bargaining with the radio stations. They was okay. Pay this amount for every 10 minutes You're on radio. I, I he will tell them lie, li, I can't even tell Pastor that. If you guys are not ready, I'm not calling you back. <laughs> nah, harassment. He will not call me and say, "I oh, see what they are saying. I think that they are smoking." Give them a list of what we are paying other place. Anyway, let's make an situation. By the time we are done, we are paying half of what they asked for. This one we got there. When they told us this amount for thirty minutes, we looked at each other. We could not even have asked for that. That if they had said, "Okay, how much do you want to pay?", we we'll would have offered more. So of course, naturally, the buyer says bad, bad. Says the buyer, "You will never agree that it's good." So, <laughs> so of course, I said that, "Okay, well, that's good price. It's not so bad." But I'm sure you guys can do better. The man said, "No, this price we know is very low." This is where I'm going. So let me tell you why. We asked for 10 minutes, we couldn't get a good price. But on that 30 minutes, he said the governor had instructed them to give a discount to churches that need 30 minutes on air. Are you see what I'm saying? So that that's why he said that it can't go lower. And we all know it's low. Even me, I I, I knew just like all this, if you tell person, say okay, buy this in two for ten, so you know we'll three for ten, you know, that kind of thing. That's the, how my man be That's the only reason why we spoke that day. He now said, this is a Christian state and the governor wants to keep it like that. So, he told us to get, bring the price down when pastors come. When we heard the price, I said, oh, there's a revival in the land. <laughs> are you getting my point here? Now, these are things that those men prophesied. Now, if he didn't come and settle down, the Bible says that this is what God does when he wants to go somewhere, he sends people ahead. I said something last time. You no, know, we we're talking about the true service of God. For us to understand. I said, God is a master planner. I'm saying it now. But last time I explained a particular principle, okay? That in life, there are three sets of people that work for God. There are seed sowers. There are those who water. And there are those who harvest. That is how revival is. That is how the spread of the gospel is. There are three sets of people. There are those who sow the seed. There are those who water the seed. And there are those who harvest. Many of us only know about those who harvest. I said something last time. I didn't complete the gist. I explained that Yungi Cho went to, um, that is is from uh, South Korea, and he started the church. And at a point in time, they had one million members in the church. One single church assembly. And then many pastors go there, and they go to go and learn the principles of church. Church Growth. In fact, he started an agency called Church Growth International. Everybody went there to go and learn. What is the principle? How do you do it? You start home sales. I, all kinds of methods. I read some of the methods in my mind. These methods are so ungodly that the way we interpret some of those things. This, What is all of this? He said, one woman wanted to leave the church. They gave her a record of how much money she had given over the last 15 years that she didn't member. You want to leave your investment? I said, eh, I've given you this amount of money. I'm not going again. She remained. I said, are you serious or you were a kidding? But everybody came to, trying to learn how he did it. How the man built a church to have one. I mean, he used to pray and believe God. Next year will be 100,000. After that will be 200,000. They prayed one day, asking God for a million members. Do you, are you getting my point? That is the whole of a is going to one church. Now, for you to know that the demand didn't just know methods. We thought that that was oh, this man. It was a normal thing in Korea. There were hundred thousand member churches were plenty, oh, but people don't know that. After examining everything. He will say, Go and learn church growth. I say, Forget it. I'm not following you. Number one, I'm not a pastor of a church trying to grow a church. Number two, I'm not even, I I don't count numbers. I don't like it. That one, I'm believing God for 100,000 members. Mm, I will never, there are things that won't come out from my mouth. I have my reasons. I'm not teaching on that now. But what I noticed is that the man was a harvester. He did not sow the seed, neither did he water it. There's a particular church you know very well called Assemblies of God. Forget the quarrel in Nigeria. That church has been there for a long time. Yongicho was a member of Assemblies of God. Yes. He left. Many years later, decades later, he joined them back. So, Yodo Christian Center is a, as an Assemblies of God church. Before he was born, that's where I'm going to. He said that church, Assemblies of God, they had watered the ground with their prayer. He was not yet born. They had preached the gospel. Who was Yongicho? Jesus said, Other men labored, but you have entered into their labor. You just came to harvest where other people planted. They will come and go and be learning principles of church growth. Those are principles of harvest. If you carry your principle of church growth to a place where nobody planted the kind of seed that those guys had planted, and they are not watered it like that, and they are not Koreans, you will not see the result. So, what about Koreans? God has different plants for different races of people. People started home sale in Lagos. You know what it became? I'm robbery place. You will not, people will come to home sale. Let's praise the Lord. All of you bring out your money. After that, pastor will say, no, no more wholesale. sale. Yeah, voices are different. Too. Yeah. They tried to use those methods. It didn't work. You know why? Because it's not about method. You can't just go now and say, hey, last week I saw Okemote. Okemote don't hammer. Say, what did Okemote do? The guy harvested, you know, two silos of corn. Oh boy. Where did he hammer it? He "He said, there's this stretch of land between here and Abakiliki. He got a combined harvester. He said, where did he buy the harvester? He bought from John Holt. Let's go to John Holt. Say, please, you see that Okemote kind of harvester? Sell it to us. Say, what do you want to do? We want to hammer we are going to harvest two shiploads of corn. Then you sell your father's land, your grandfather's own, you borrow from the bank, pay for two massive combined harvesters. Then you drive down there, they say, okay, where's your land? So they say, just enter the bush begin harvest." <laughs> That's what many of us do, what we call uh, ministry. That's what we are doing. So if that man can get that result, I can get this result, you go and get his method, which is his own combined harvester. You don't have his field. Nobody planted corn for you. What you did not notice was that Okemute didn't just get a combined harvester and enter into the jungle. You can have the harvester and be harvesting sand. If you didn't plant anything. What he did not notice is that he, first of all, he plowed the land long ago. Harrowed the land. Sprinkled corn on it. Put pre emergence herbicides. Are you getting my point? And did all of the tended the hectares and hectares of land. Until the crop began to permit, Then he put in the sickle because the harvest had come. People don't check whether harvest has come. They just buy, buy sickle. Buy, buy your own sickle. Because we are going to harvest. Yeah. That's, what, that's the problem. And I say, okay, how many souls are you taking to heaven? God says, naked you came. Naked you are going back. Let me add my own. Alone you came. Alone you are going back. Why? Because you can't win any soul. I do the winning. Are you getting my point? Some will go out and go and sow, some will go out and go and water, and some will come out to reap the harvest. On the harvest is ripe, habba. Life is going to be hard. So, what did God say? Each man, I plant them in the right in their own places. And that's what I was saying last time. It's not just the preachers that are preaching. I said, Okay, somebody go somewhere, turn the whole community to the Lord. And you say, wow, that man is a powerful evangelist. Because I know. But for him to be able to turn that whole community, 70 years before, I sent a reverend father. He came from Mexico. He stayed in Nigeria saying mass, doing infant baptism. But God knows what he's doing. I'm not saying the man is right in everything, he makes everybody go for catechism. In the whole society, people are going for catechism. At the age of three, you're already going for catechism. You start learning little things. I learned my catechism in Yoruba, so, and I know most of you learned in Igbo. Yeah, my own catechism was. <laughs> so I can't tell you the English version. It will cause confusion. It was God that created us and placed us on this earth. We we'll memorize that. Memorize who Jesus was, who his mother, the virgin birth, his death, resurrection. Before you pass that class. They go through all of that. Many of us, Pentecostals, don't think much of it. Okay? But actually, that was where the foundation was laid. Are you getting my point? Yeah, that's where they taught you the rudiments of the doctrines of God. And God said, don't worry, don't worry. Just leave it there. Reverend sisters harassed your life. You, you You went to a Catholic secondary school. They taught you some things. And then one day you are going on the road. You now see one man say, "Jesus <laughs> has come to this town today. Anybody who comes here today, you are going to get healed." And then you say, "Is the man serious?" This was something they did not te- tell you before, but you already need the Jesus, you need the Holy Spirit, and you step forward. He touched you. You got healed. Many of us don't say ah, they, they, we don't realize it. We look and say, "Hey, those people didn't." Know. No, no, no. They did. They did their job. This man has now come as what? A harvester. So he now says, who wants to give his life to Christ? Something you have never done in your life. You've just been a religious person. Then you now go forward. You surrender your life to Christ. Say, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You say yes. He puts a hand upon you. And the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You fall on the floor. You get up. (laughs) You are seeing visions and dreams. Do they see dreams in the afternoon? No. (laughs) And you now think, oh, this man is... No, no, no. That was a harvester. Now my emphasis is many of us remember what Jesus said. Pray the Lord of the Harvest to do what? Send laborers. He's sending us to places. And he says in your office, just lay certain foundations. Do your work properly. I'll talk about that now. All right? In your office, do things in a particular way. Don't now listen to this. Don't worry about what I am doing. I can't explain all my plans. You don't have the capacity to understand it. Just be faithful until I come back. I hope you're getting my point. I said something last time. Daniel was not considered a prophet by the, by the Jews. What was Daniel? Daniel was of reality. Daniel was an intelligent young man. Daniel and his bro- friends or brothers, they were people that loved the Lord. But their job in Babylon was to be civil servants. They lived a life of holiness. We know that because you see the kind of vows they made as young people. They stepped into Babylon and said, we will not defile ourselves by the things that are going on inside here. We know the kind of life they lived. But they served the king. That was where God planted them. Nebuchadnezzar ended his life as a strong believer. It was his son that smoked something. Nebuchadnezzar feared the God of Daniel. Why? Because God set Daniel in his court. It was after he died that God took the kingdom away from Babylon. Every, I don't have time to look at them to talk about the story of, uh, of um, uh, Daniel. You see, the, the things that were given to Daniel, the man was just faithful. He had a heart for the land of Israel, for the temple of God. He loves the Lord. And God decided to give him consolation because he was not going to go back to Jerusalem. I see his heart. He was bothered about the things that happened to his people. So the Bible says that he was a man of high esteem. So God sent an angel and said, Go and show Daniel the things that will happen after. Daniel saw visions as far as the second coming of the Lord Jesus. And he wrote wrote them down. Listen to this. It, there were issues of personal edification. It was, don't worry. Things are working. Because these people, I mean, you, you can, maybe we don't understand the mentality of a Jew. They were special people. And they felt very special. So when people like Daniel would see what's going on with them, he couldn't get it. Why are things like this with the people of God? Even if they sinned. God, why won't you have mercy? So God looked and said, Oh, this is my guy. So he now went and showed it to him that don't worry. Times and epochs have been determined. The final kingdom, forget all these kingdoms, they will all pass away. Then there's a kingdom that will come that will fill the whole earth, which is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know. And Daniel wrote all of these things down, listen to this, as a civil servant. From where he was working there, all right? The man laid the necessary foundations. For many of the things that we are doing today. That's the point I'm going to make. Yet, he was not an evangelist. Now, let me use the Jewish mindset. He was not a prophet. He was not an apostle. He was not a pastor or teacher. He was just a regular civil servant who loved the Lord and who God gives scrolls to read as encouragement for his soul. He wrote those things down. You and I now see them. They were actually the prophecies of God. The other day I went to preach in Benin. Christian lawyers organized their conference and said the preaching doctor should come and be the one to speak. I found it very funny, but they invited me, so I went. (laughs) I went to preach to Christian lawyers. And one man said something there. There were two policemen that came. One, a police chaplain, and the other one, a normal police officer who has been in the force longer than the police chaplain. And he said something. Now, I have a colleague. He's a commissioner now. So, one of those days we were speaking, and he would tell you about the rot in the police. Then I talked to another man of God in town here, who has done some work with the police. He said, "Do do you know that police didn't have a chaplain? You go to the army, they have chaplain. How come Nigeria police didn't have? Now, when I went for that conference in Benin, the man sitting beside me was the police chaplain. The other man, the older one in the force, when he got up to speak, he now gave testimony about his life. He was a bodyguard to Archbishop Benson in Idahosa. All right? And he talked about how Idahosa affected his life and all of that, how that has affected him till today, everything about him. And that, how, now, where I'm going is how God used people like him to open the door for the police to have a chaplain or to begin to appoint chaplains. I won't bore you with the details, but it was prayer they were praying. So one day along the line, were, he and I were speaking. He now said that people like this, he pointed to the other man, that they came because people like us prayed long ago. Are you getting my point here? He said, after he gave his life to Christ, he began to learn the word of God for a bishop with was around. People asked, of course, there were options, like he should leave the police and all that. He said he didn't feel led by God to leave. He felt that this is where he should stay. And by remaining there, people like him could pray until other men like that came in. And the man of God I was talking to some time ago said that, listen, except that you cannot redeem a place like that unless they had chaplains in the place. But the structure did not allow for one. There had been Christians' IGs, they didn't do anything. Don't be angry with them. Seed had not been sown, proper prayers had not been offered. We began this by reading that Luke chapter 10. He said, He sent them two by two in pairs to the places where He Himself was going to come. He now said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are what? Few. That is, because I have only 70, it will limit what I'm about to do. I wish I had 700. Are you getting my point here? And what am I trying to say? He said each Christian has been sent into the place that the Lord wants to come into. That's what we must understand. Each person has been sent into a place, and he says, now this is the next scripture. Occupy. Finish it for me. <laughs> Are you seeing the waste time? We've all been sent. He now says, occupy till I come. Let me tell you the truth. I will say this. Many people who don't understand it will disagree. God does not want Christians to have ambition. He does not believe in them having long-term plans. I've had had a lot of arguments about this. The more I thought about it, the more I realized I'm correct. And like Andrew Mark will say, you have entitled to your opinion. I'm entitled to my opinion. I will not agree with you, otherwise we will both be wrong. <laughs> no. You see, listen, life is divided into days. God said each person, identify your day. Sufficient unto the day is evil thereof. What is my assignment for today? We behave as if God doesn't have, no, he doesn't have plans for our lives. He plans. And when He comes, He will show you what He wants. People say that you know you plan, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you long-term plans. Who, 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 who said so? When the Holy Spirit reveals long-term things, they are really very nebulous. Most people, they misunderstand even the revelation. With everything the prophets have revealed, Peter, James, and John will say, will you at this time restore the kingdom back to Israel? Lack of understanding. So, you see, sometimes when you find prophets speak, it is very easy to misunderstand. When God even gives visions and all of that, it's so hard. In fact, most visions of God, they just give you guidance, help you make up your mind at certain times. It's only when they they are fulfilled you fully understand. My experience is, the visions of God are extremely hard to understand until they are fulfilled you look at the life of the Lord Jesus what the people used to say is that that it might be fulfilled that which was written that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken before that happened they didn't know what it meant Joseph had revelation what was the revelation a star or 10 stars how many stars were there? 12 stars Eleven stars, sun, moon, all of them bowing down to him. His brothers looked and said, did you smoke something? We all went to the field, we gathered sheaves and all your own bowed down to my own. They interpreted it for him. Are you going to rule over us? So God gave him a revelation that is going to rule. Right? Where? Where now? You are smiling. He did not know. I doubt whether he knew the road to Egypt. That young man could not have joined PDP to rule Egypt. (laughs) Let me pray a prayer for you again. May your plans fail. See that money you have stacked up and invested for retirement? I'll pray a prayer for you. I will pray it. You can choose to not say amen. May the money disappear on time. Because if it disappears late, there will be trouble. But if it disappears on time, you will quickly learn. I had the story of a young man. Oh, there's another way it can disappear. You can just do what Jesus said liquidate the plan, and, you know, scatter itself, solve, solve today's problem, trust God. Oh, God. Listen, this that must be taken as a whole. It's, it's very radical. Listen, I told you faith. Don't listen to our series on faith. If your faith has not been confused with madness, you never start. And I'm not talking about let me go and be mad. No. It's more of just walking by the faith you understand. People start wondering whether your head is correct. Then you know you have made it. Why did I pray that prayer, I prayed that may it disappear early, not late. One day, one old man, I heard the story. He was taking the stroll at night, and he saw one young man on a bridge, about to jump into the river. He wanted to kill himself. So he said, what, what are you doing? The boy said, my life is over. And the guy was about 30. No, less than 40 anyway. He said, my life is over. He said, what do you mean? He said, I, I made a million dollars. I was a multimillionaire. He said, by this time, he said, right now, All my money is gone. So I want to commit suicide. Said the old man looked at him and said, This life is not fair. It's not fair. That you mean you learned this precious lesson of life this early? I learned it as an old man. You've already learned it. Just jump into the water because this (laughs) (laughs) this life is not fair. That this is a lesson that's precious. That men take time to learn. At the age of 30, you've learned it. That means you are going to be su- you are going to succeed in life now. You understand that money goes away, it's in the Bible like that. He said, Now you understand. Oh, god, the man said this life is not fair. You know, this man that turned out to be the richest man in the world at the time, Paul Getty, all right, has his own uh, madness, but yeah, no, no, he was a certified, certified lunatic before he died. No, I'm not joking about that. Yeah, 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 he had a serious mental problem before he died. Now, he was the worst richest man at that time in his 20s. He told his father that he had now, you must understand, he was the richest man in the world. I think in the 70s, and I say maybe mid-age, maybe it was in his 50s that time. In his 20s, he had made a million dollars. So imagine what a million dollars was, you know, 1940 something, 1930 something, there about. Yes, yes, 1920 something, 1930 something. That's when he made a million dollars. So he went to his father and said, "I've made my money. I don't need to work again." His father tried to convince him that that's not how life is, but you know how God convinced him. I don't know what happened. The money finished faster than he realized it. He was broke, so because he was broke, he went back to work. And because he went back to work, he said one day he was going on the road. He bought a magazine, and saw that they listed him as the richest man in the world. It was a surprise to him. He said, "People say that they think I'm just being, you know, just being smart when I say I don't know how how much money I have." He said, "The truth is that I just work for the fun of it." And did his business until he became the richest man in the world. That's why I prayed that prayer. But I said the amen properly. Now, I'm saying something here. So, listen to me. You cannot plan long term for God. You can't. You know what he said? Occupy till I'm going to come. Be busy till I get there. And I like my version of the Bible. He said, occupy with this. That is, do business with this. And that's one of the things I'm talking about. He said, do business with this until I come. I want to make, let me just summarize the points I'm making so far so that you know my train of thoughts. One, God wants to come to places. Before he comes, he sends people ahead. If the people are not there, he can't come there. Please, we must rearrange our mentality to understand that our lives, we on mission. Are you getting my point? We are on assignment. It's not just, is this comfortable? No. It's that if I'm planted here, it means the Lord wants to come. That everything we complain about, the Lord needs to come there. And the Lord said, before I can come, somebody must go there. That is the first thing. We've established that. So if God takes you and says, you, go to Ninth Mile as an example.